diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And he sends one high and deep to left field, sending Donovan back at the wall. Gone home run! Turns a two-run deficit into an Astros lead. It's 8-5. to five. Technically, it made it 8-7. to seven. Who is counting at this point? It's Brad Thompson. It's the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN, that audio courtesy of AT&T Sportsnet, as the Astros break the Cardinals' heart in Game 2 of this three-game set. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I started the podcast like that. You guys know me. I'm sunshine. I'm lollipops. I'm happy. And quite frankly, the Cardinals have been playing better baseball as of late. I realize that that bar that we're talking about, that that better baseball bar is quite low. But they have. Cardinals went on their road trip, the road trip that took them to New York, D.C., and then London, ended up going 5-3 and three on that trip. They won two series. They won a series against the Mets, won a series against the Nationals, and then split in London against the Cubs. I think it's fair to call that a successful road trip. I get it. I know a lot of people were frustrated. Hey, you have to sweep the Nationals. you got to win that last game. Offense didn't show up. I get it, right? You'd love to sweep the Nationals. Nationals aren't a good ball club. It's hard to sweep anybody successful road trip nonetheless but I think the reason that this podcast started off with that highlight that three-run home run that Jose Altuve hit last night against Giovanni Gallegos as Cardinals had a two-run lead in the eighth inning Gio comes in he gives up five he gave up that three-run home run also gave up a two-run shot to Jose Abreu to ultimately lose the ball game 10 to 7. I think the reason that we started out with that today is this is what the season has felt like it's continual gut punches okay Giovanni Gallegos has been a very solid member of the Cardinals bullpen but boy he's had a couple of clunkers in big spots and that's the thing when you're pitching at the back end of a baseball game you do not have a safety net you do not have help you don't have the benefit of six or seven more innings where the team can battle back in he struggled late Cardinals end up losing the Cardinals now have 16 16 blown saves on the year. That is tied for the most in all of baseball, and it's only one shy of the mark that they had last year. They blew 17 games all of last year in route to winning the division. That is a problem. Like, that cannot happen. The Cardinals right now are not playing good enough baseball to be be able to overcome stuff like that. You have a lead. you got to be able to lock it down. Ryan Helsley is still on the I.L. Uh, all the reports are saying it's probably going to be a few more weeks with him. He's going to have to build back up. He's going to have to do some sort of a rehab. So it's going to be a minute before you get that arm back. But even without him, I mean, there are enough arms in this pen to be able to lock down some ball games. And uh, the pen, honestly, has not been the weakest part of this team. We've talked about this ball club a lot. We've talked about the starting pitching, the struggles with runners in scoring position. But darn it, wouldn't it be nice if something would go right on a given evening? It did not go right for the Cardinals yesterday. But had I told you uh, coming into maybe right before the road trip that they would win the road trip and they'd split the first couple with the Astros and have an opportunity today to win a series against the defending World Series champions, I think that you would take it. But it's just the manner in which things continue to happen 
that are frustrating for Cardinal fans and certainly for Cardinal players. Giovanni Gallegos talked about it after the game yesterday um, as he was sitting there with the assembled media. He said, look, I'm going to lose sleep. I'm going to lose sleep over this. It's one of those things where my job is to get the job done. He didn't get the job done, but he also realizes he's got to be ready to get the job done today if he is called upon. It is a difficult gig at the back end of the pen. That's why a lot of these guys, and Giovanni Gallegos is one of them, who signed a multi-year deal, uh, get compensated handsomely. Like, that is the job back there in the pen. But no need to do that, okay? No need to go back and look at that part of the game. I don't know why I did that. I apologize. I don't mean to bring up any bad memories from maybe last night or whenever you're listening to this podcast a couple of days ago. Didn't mean to do that because you know what? It didn't start out that bad. You know, scratch that actually did start out pretty bad. I mean, it was an Altuve double. Bregman walked. Kyle Tucker hit a double. That scored a guy. Jose Abreu had a sack fly. That scored a guy. Jeremy Pena, he had an RBI single. Look, it was 3 nothing before the Cardinals got a chance to hit. Okay, it did start out that bad, but, but here's what I meant. It got better. Swing, drive, hammer, turn left. Get up, baby. It's gone, and we're tied 3-3. That the voice of Chip Carey on Valley Sports Midwest as Nolan Arenado hit his 16th home run of the year, a three-run shot in the bottom of the first inning to tie things up against Christian Javier. By the way, did he throw a get-up baby in there? Did he go Mike Shannon on us? Get up, baby! He sure did. He absolutely did, and I like it. I like it a lot. I like what Nolan Arenado did. I also like in that inning that they added another one. Alec Burleson, he doubled to bring in Nolan Gorman. All of a sudden, the Cardinals got punched in the mouth, and they punched right back, had a 4-3 lead early against the Astros. That's good news, isn't it? Oh, and then, and then they added on. Rifle turn left. Goldie's got another homer against the righty. 43 happy feet. That shot right there, the 14th of the year from Paul Goldschmidt, made it 5-3 in the second inning. The Cardinals added a run in the fourth on a Paul Goldschmidt RBI single. Also added another one in the sixth. It was a Brendan Donovan solo home run, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're good to go. Going to seal this bad boy up. You got the back end of the pen ready. Stratton gave you a shutdown seventh inning. By the way, Chris looked really good. And then eighth inning, you think you hand it over to Gio, you hand it over to Hicks at the end of the game, bingo, bango, bongo, you're good to go. Well, it didn't get there. Okay, we all know it didn't get there. The only bingo, bango, bongo was the bats of the Astros off of Giovanni Gallegos. As again, he surrendered a five spot in the inning, and that was a swift kick. You know, there, there used to be an old adage in the game of baseball, and th- the game has evolved. And I don't want this to sound like a, uh, a get off my lawn or back in my day, but there was an old adage late in ball games, and specifically like this would be like a closer thing, but it's a, it's a late in game thing of never get beat to the pull side. Like don't get beat inside late on a game. And that's exactly what happened with Jose Altuve. They tried to go inside to Altuve and it was 95 and it was in, it was thigh high though. And he hit a freaking rocket to give the Astros the lead. Now this has happened in the past. He gave up another home run too, and it wasn't inside. It was away actually a Brayu on a crippled slider. This thing just hung up there. It just, it wasn't sharp. It's going to happen every once in a while to the best of the relievers. Uh, but that, that's, 
same thing happened to him against the Giants in Yastrzemski. Tried to go inside on him late. He ended up hitting the two-run bomb that tied the game. Cardinals ultimately lost that one uh, late in extra innings. That is one, man. I want to revisit that old adage of just making somebody beat you the other way. I understand why we don't do it as much because we know more about hitters than we ever have before. Uh, we still know tendencies. We still know hot zones. Uh, but to me, if you're going to go in late in the game, you might want to be going in for effect to get the out away. But that's like it is revisionist history. It's so easy to sit here and say that right now. But um, it's, you know, uh, think about it. Think about it maybe next time up. Let's not get beat to that side. So anyways, that was disappointing. Cardinals fall to 33-46. and 46. They are nine games back of the first place Cincinnati Reds, who, as you know, they went on a, a hot streak. They had won like 12 in a row, uh, but they're in first place. The Brewers are nipping at their heels. And like, really, we've been having this same conversation all season long is what, what are the Cardinals? What is this division? The Cardinals are wildly inconsistent. I think it's safe to say they have underperformed, and it's also safe to say that they are missing some key pieces to actually make them a very competitive ball club. But you're also still in a very, very winnable division, and that's what makes the next five weeks so interesting. And I pick five weeks because, I mean, that's about what it is until the trade deadline, July 31st. And the Cardinals need to figure out exactly what they are at this point. What are they going to do in five weeks? And I think right now I'm not sure they have an answer. I don't have an answer. I don't look at this ball club right now and be like, well, I know exactly what you are because of all the things that we just talked about. The the fact that you believe that there is more talent that has been shown on this team, the fact that you know the division is putrid and is up for the the taking and the fact that anything can happen in five weeks but who cares what I think about the next five weeks what are the movers and shakers thinking I mean what is the president of baseball operations thinking about the trade deadline that's going to be here kind of before we know it a lot of baseball left but still it's going to be upon us soon Jim Hayes over at Bally Sports the cat had a chance to sit down with John Mosellock before the game yesterday and here's what Mo had to say about the deadline and maybe the cardinal stance as we approach it Let's touch on this a couple ways. First off, like, I think a lot of people look at the trading deadline sort of in three buckets, right? You're either a buyer, a seller, or a hold. And I think for the Cardinals right now, we're going to be in the fourth bucket, and that's a, a little bit of uncertainty. And I think, are there some things that maybe we could do right now, meaning in the next 30 days, that could help this club get over the hump? Those are things we want to consider. We also want to understand what it might look like to try to help improve this club for the future so that could look like trading for some prospects that you could add into your system but it could also mean you know adding some players that could help contribute right away next year as well so we're, we're going to look at all of that and as you and I were talking before we were on camera you had asked about like are we planning for all of those different scenarios and the answer is yes we're certainly going to start you know making sure we exhaust what all those look like and be prepared I don't think you're going to see a heavy activity in the trade deadline until you really get closer to the end of July. Um, as you know, that right now we have the draft in the middle of, of July. And so I think, you know, really for the next couple of weeks, front offices are going to focus on that. Then right when that ends, we turn the page and go straight to the trading deadline. But in the meantime, there's some things we got to think about. And with regard to markers, you know, if we still think we have a chance to, to get to win our division and compete for that, then 
that's going to we're going to look at the trading deadline much differently than if we don't think we have that chance. And to determine what that looks like really depends on how we are playing and how the rest of the division is playing. So just ask for a little patience on that end. But you know, certainly like the way we're playing right now, we think we're uh, uh, pointing in the right direction, and, and hopefully we can build on that. Again, that audio was courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest as John Mosellock sat down in the pregame show with Jim Hayes and kind of his thoughts of where the Cardinals are at. It's kind of really hard to push back on the stance right now because as we were talking about before that audio clip, how do you, how do you know what you are right now? How do you know what to put yourself in, what silo, right, or what bucket, right, to use his uh, terminology? Now, I'm sure that there are a lot of you out here listening and, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a diehard Cardinal fan, you're dug in, and there's a good chance that a lot of you are angry and you're thinking, oh, I know what bucket to put the Cardinals in. I'm going to put them in the blow-it-all-up bucket, okay? Sell. Sell everything that you have to sell. Okay. Uh, and I understand. I understand the thought. But now's not the time. If I'm going to sell, it's going to be a heck of a lot closer to the deadline because I want other teams to find out exactly what they are, what they need, and what they are willing to part with. And as we talked about in the last podcast, look, what are the pieces that you're selling off? It's your impending free agents, right? It's uh, it, it could be Flaherty. It could be Montgomery. You know that Hicks could fetch you something for sure if you're out of it which would stink if you were out of it and then you lose an arm like that at the back end of your bullpen, but certainly could fetch you something. As Mo was talking about, like they're going to look for uh, potentially help for the future, trading for prospects, adding pieces that could uh, you know, hop in right away next year. Like There are a lot of different options that you can go with, but it will continue to take some time to find out what is the clear path. And really... Even given that time, I don't know that there will be a clear path. I don't see in five weeks the Cardinals being a half game out. I just don't see that happening. Maybe they go on a little bit of a run, and maybe you're like four games out or four and a half. or Anything could happen in this division. Because, like, truly, do you believe that the Reds are going to run away with things? Do you think that the Reds have the pitching staff to do so? I don't. What about the Brewers? Do you think the Brewers are going to run away with this division? I don't think they have the offense to do it. I really don't. What about the Cubs? The Cubs going to do it? Maybe. I mean, who, who knows? Right now, got a couple of good starting pitchers back into the bullpen that they like. Um, offensively, they can get it done. Not flashy, but they can get it done. Maybe. The Pirates, I'm sorry, no. So really, if you actually started playing some good baseball, which in almost July now is kind of a crazy thing to say, might just flip the switch. But the reality of the situation is we've seen teams do it. We just saw the Reds do it, as we talked about earlier, went on a 12-game winning streak. You get a chance to be right back in the thick of things. But you really can't know what bucket you're in here at the end of June because, look, the, it has been a mixed bag. And there's a good chance that you get to the trade deadline and you're a little bit of both. You're maybe selling off some pieces for the future. You're also probably adding some pieces to the outside of this roster, whether it be a veteran arm in the bullpen, a trusted piece on the bench, which I think this team could use. The, the, the idea of big splash is crazy right now. Like I, The idea of going to land an ace at the trade deadline really doesn't make a ton of sense right now the way that the Cardinals are playing and where they're at. Now, if they landed that big fish, boy, would I be happy. We'd all be happy, right? But it just doesn't seem to fit the way that this team is playing and where they're going, but we'll see, okay? But that is going to be the biggest thing to keep an eye on is, like, what is this team until the trade deadline? Because they will force the front office's hand. If they go out and play good baseball, then it's worth adding to this ball club 
to go win a division because as much as you hate to hear it, anything can happen once you get in. You just yelled at me, didn't you? You did. You you were angry because, you said, Brad, they just get in every year. What has happened here recently? They haven't played good baseball in the postseason. That's what happened recently. They have dropped a lot of games in a row. I think 10. Uh, not great, but absolutely, if you have a chance to get in, it is worth adding at the trade deadline. So from a baseball front right now, if you're looking to encapsulate where the Cardinals are at, it's almost a term that I used the other day with the guys on the fast lane was stagnant. It just kind of feels stagnant because, like, something good happens, something bad happens, everything stays right there in the middle. You're going to need a lot more than that here in July to force the issue. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on to something positive because I'd rather end with something positive. How about the young Jordan Walker? since coming back from Memphis. He got sent down. He was sent down with a task, and all he has done is come back and crush the baseball. Currently a 16-game hitting streak. That's the longest streak in all of baseball for the just-turned 21-year-old. During this hit streak for Walker, he's hitting 382, has an on-base percentage of 460, a slug of 655. I did all the math on that one. That's good for an 1115 OPS. Four home runs, seven walks, only 14 strikeouts in this time. What we've seen with Walker is the ability to elevate the baseball as the Cardinals wanted. He'll still get a lot of his hard-hit ground balls, but that's the key, like hard hit. Hard hit rate for him has jumped up about 15%. He was already hitting the ball pretty hard his first time around after he made the club out of spring training. But he's been far more selective. The chase rate has gone down a ton. He is realizing what pitchers are trying to do to him. He's showing the ability to go the other way also and do so with authority, and that's next level. It appears from the outside looking in that things are slowing down a little bit for Jordan Walker, but what does it feel like right now for him? Does he feel? like things are getting a little bit easier. I wouldn't say anything's easier. Now, I would just say, you know, I guess like, I was just really overexcited when I first got here, but now I'm kind of like settling into how things work around here. Man, my teammates, you know, kind of are teaching me the things, you know, how to settle my mind, how to relax out there. I think that's really the difference. Jordan Walker there, audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest, and overexcited. I mean, why would you be overexcited? I mean, you're 20 years old. You make the big league club out of spring, you know. No, that makes sense. I could absolutely see being a little overexcited, a little amped up, a little bit of wanting to prove yourself with every swing at the big league level. And when you do that, pitchers will take advantage of you, especially here, especially in the big leagues when they know that you're going to be anxious. They know that you will expand your strike zone. These guys are good enough to continue to put pitches out there that look like they're going to be good, that are going to go diving off the plate, and they know you're going to go diving with it. And I love what Jordan is talking about with his mindset and with his teammates, talking about those guys helping him out as to how he should be approaching things, how to mentally prepare himself, how to flush one at-bat and be ready for the next one. That is learning. That is next level. That is what being a big league hitter is all about. And he's getting this lesson at 21 years old. So that's exciting. It's exciting to see him do that, to learn at this level. We've seen his role shift a little bit. We've seen him take more at-bats in the DH spot. But he'll be out in the outfield. It's going to be very important for him to learn that. Uh, but right now, his bat being in the lineup is one of the most important things for the Cardinals. So as we wrap things up here, the Cardinals have an opportunity, as I'm doing this, 
this podcast, day of game three. It's Thursday against the Astros. Adam Wainwright is on the mound. He'll be looking to bounce back from a very bad performance last time out in London. And Adam was incredibly honest, uh, put it all on himself, just had a bad day. Ian Happ ended up getting him twice. Ian Happ is his kryptonite boy. Uh, but he struggled mightily. He would love to get back on the right track. And if the Cardinals win this series, you feel really good about things heading into a weekend as the Yankees come to town without Aaron Judge there. One more quick thing on Adam Wainwright, who hopefully has an awesome outing this evening. Um, I'm sure many of you saw that he deactivated his Twitter after that game against the Cubs in London due to the fact that it was just getting berated and there's only so much any human can take and honestly Adam can take anything when it comes to him people were awful to his family his wife his kids it ain't worth it Uh, I would say if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of the people that have gone after Adam's family don't ever listen again you're not invited you're not welcome you're not a good fan you're not a good person if you're somebody that would do that. Now, I know this listener base a little bit better, I think. I think I got a firm grasp for many of you. And it doesn't mean that you're happy with the way that Adam Wainwright has thrown the ball. You could be upset about the fact that the Cardinals signed him back for $17.5 million. You could be upset about that. And I'm sure a lot of you just love Adam and want him to succeed. I find myself in that boat. Uh, But attacking people's families, I mean, come on. Let's just, a real quick lesson, okay, for all of us. Let's be better today, okay? Every single day, we can be a little bit better. We could be a little bit nicer. And just because somebody is an entertainer on a big stage doesn't mean that we should just be able to attack anytime we want. Uh, Start at home. Start with your family. Start with your friends. But let's be a little bit nicer to a little bit of everybody. And I hope for Cardinal Nation that Adam comes back to Twitter because he is an incredible ambassador for the game of baseball, an incredible ambassador for the Cardinals, and really just for the human race, like a special individual. Uh, But as I mentioned before, Every human can only take so much. So let's just be better. Let's be nicer people. I think that we can all do that. Now I'll get off my soapbox, and I'm also going to get off of this podcast. I appreciate you listening. Cardinals in action this evening against the Astros, this weekend against the Yankees, and then they take to the road Miami and then to Chicago to face the White Sox. Hopefully we got some good things to talk about because the trade deadline's going to be here and the future of the Cardinals is going to have to be answered sooner rather than later. We're going to see what the next four to five weeks look like here for the Birds. I'm Brad Thompson. This is the Redbird Report. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.